it's far better off to think about it as a rhythm. What is the rhythm that you're choosing? And once you've chosen that rhythm, make sure that it's consistent. Like a good piece of music that you want to dance with, you want that rhythm to be consistent. And I think with your email list, it's the same. People love consistency. It's good for us as a business owner, and it's also good for the people around us. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab for another Thursday. I am your co-host for today, as always, Samantha Riley, joined by my lovely co-host, Tim Hyde. How are you, Tim? Good, Sam. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Have you noticed that the background in my office is a little different? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have. You had a black bookshelf before. I did. What's going on with it? Look at it. It's not black anymore. It's white. That's why I was like, you haven't noticed. <laughs> I'm just like thinking something's, something's not the same. I just like I was just captivated by your pretty face, Sam. Oh, hilarious. Okay, moving right <laughs> on. And today's topic is email lists and email marketing. It's a very important topic, I believe, for any business owner. This is something I talk about with my clients on their very first onboarding call because it's that important as you do, Tim, as your whole business is around email marketing. Why do you think it's important, Sam, before we we go on? It is so important because an email list is, we own the list. So it's a great way to be able to contact our customers. There's a lot of other different reasons we're going to go into, but especially with the IS14 update and has really hurt paid marketing, I see that people are getting 300, 400% increase on their ad spends and and there's a lot of people that are really distressed about this and whilst i understand that's a problem it's amazing to me how many of these people haven't got an email list that they could reach out to and converse with their clients when we were chatting about this topic today i said i can't believe these people don't have email lists and what did you say to me that's pretty common yeah, you would be surprised, Sam, and I was. It astounds me that that people don't have an email list. At any time, we could have any of our paid marketing platforms taken down, and there's no notice. There's no notice. It just happens. It just happens. That's right. It's really the difference between earned media and owned media. So mm-hmm. social media is what we call earned media. It's it's not your traffic. You're just borrowing it. Whereas owned media is media that you own, right? So it's the relationship that you own and you control and no one can take those away from you. And I think it's pretty critically important, as you said, Sam, to, to have that sort of control over you being able to reach your prospects and reach your customers and reach your suppliers and partners as well. Something that, that I think a lot of people don't think about when they look at what that email list is and, and constructing or investing in the, the infrastructure around email list management is that it's actually one of the most valuable parts of your business, you know, mm-hmm. should you really put yourself down the track. Absolutely. Right? It's, you know, your processes and your customer list is the thing that you actually sell. <laughs> it's, it's not much else because without that, you know, a, a buyer of your business, should you ever want to sell, right, can't replicate the results that you've created from that. Absolutely. And an email list has great results regarding conversions, most people's email list would convert a lot higher than their Facebook ads. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, even even if you say, um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, right? Email converts at 1.2% or, you know, we've got 6% open rates and stuff. This is because we got really immature strategies around how we use that. Mm-hmm. And now, I know a lot of people will talk about email list and immediately they go, well, I'm going to send email after email after email to my list. But we can use that list to capture information and, and converse with those contacts in different ways mm-hmm. as well. It doesn't have to be just email. Mm. So a mature system in this space will allow you to manage workflow. It'll allow you to add and remove people from custom advertising audiences. It'll allow you to send lumpy mail. Um, and I, one thing I've been talking to a lot of my clients about lately and, you know, is, is sending postcards, you know, handwritten mm-hmm. postcards, mm-hmm. which you know, are plenty of services out there that you can do that. And you can actually change the method of communication to increase the effectiveness of that communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I loved it when you said that. And you haven't said it just now. So I'm going to repeat what you said to me originally, that our email list is if we want to start thinking about it as a contact list that we can email, and we can also converse with in different ways. I think when you said that, it made me go, wow, really, really like that thought. We can email them, but we can also contact them in different ways. That's right. Now, no conversation around email marketing would be complete without a conversation around CRM. Now, technically... Let's just start with what does CRM mean? And technically, CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management System. I'd like to challenge people and, and, and get people to think about their CRM as their contact relationship management system. Mm-hmm. So it's not just your customers. It's also... Your, and you'd be surprised again, Sam, how many people only have their customers in it mm-hmm. or don't have a list in there right? or, or sell to people once and think, I don't need to record those people's details. You absolutely need to co- record the details of every contact that your business has in your CRM. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they're all relationships that we want to manage, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to touch on something different. Most people think that all email marketing systems are CRMs, but they're not. Can you tell us the difference between a CRM versus an email marketing system? Okay. Yeah, good point. Right? So a CRM allows you to, okay, I'm effectively two parts, of this, you know, two sides of the same coin, but not always found in the same technology. And right? so your email marketing system delivers EDMs, right? so electronic direct mail. Right. So things like Mailchimp is typically um, one of the most well-known. Right, is email marketing systems. So you can segment. You will have first name, last name, and email in there, and you will have people on different lists. But it doesn't really allow you to record other information about your customers. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't record, you know, last purchase date. What did they? What did they purchase? What was the value of that product they purchased? You know, what was the start date of the relationship with you? Mm-hmm. What other things they may have downloaded, and mm-hmm. those are things or information that we might put into our CRM. Now, a mm-hmm. CRM doesn't necessarily do email marketing. And there are plenty of okay, there are plenty of systems out there that don't. HubSpot free CRM, for example, right, doesn't do email marketing. But what it does do is allows us to record information about our customers that might be useful for us to recall at a later point. Mm-hmm. Now, at a certain point in the market, we will see a convergence of the convergence of those two technologies. And that's typically where we talk to a thing called marketing automation, which Sam, I know you talk to your clients about a lot as well. Marketing automation, right? And again, a certain point in the market does things where, where there's certain triggers, um, or events that occur. So, for example, someone filling out the contact form on your website, 
completing a lead ad on Facebook or even downloading a lead magnet from, from somewhere, that then triggers an internal process. Now, that process might be updating fields in your CRM. It might be triggering manual workflow or it might be communicating to those customers appropriately. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are the two things that we need to think about. And when we're using email marketing effectively, those things are very tightly combined. Absolutely. And very powerful when you have all of that information. Yep. Okay, so let's jump in. Let's talk more about, you know, the four odd things that we think are both really important when using email marketing in your business, right? Absolutely. This is is an area that a lot of people get wrong. Mm -hmm. What's number one for you? Number one is, well, this was yours, actually, setting expectations. What do you mean by setting expectations? This is a mistake that I think a lot of people make, is that we don't set expectations that this is the method by which we're going to communicate Mm -hmm. to people. And so, you know, on a website, it'll just have, you know, subscribe for you know, subscribe to our newsletter. Oh, I can't believe how often I still see that. Please, please don't put that on your website. <laughs> I don't know anyone that wants to subscribe to a newsletter to get more email in their email inbox. That's right. But you can do it if you set expectations about what someone is going to get and how often someone is going to get it. Mm-hmm. All right. If I go into a store and, you know, set up an afterpay or a do I still have lay by Sam? I don't know. I, I'm I, not sure. <laughs> but if I was going to go into a store and say, look, I don't know what you're going to give me, but just like here's the money, right, and just send me something, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know when you're going to send it or whether it's going to fit or whether I'm going to like it. Or, or whether like it's that. going to be one thing or multiple things. That's right. You, you, probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't do it. And that subscribe button on people's websites, which is often hidden way down in the footer, doesn't work for that reason. Okay. Mm. It's a little bit like the lay by where you're giving money across for something that you don't know. So if you are going to use a subscribe button, set expectations about how often someone's going to get emailed mm-hmm. and what the content might be like. Mm-hmm. Okay. So subscribe for our weekly newsletter containing tips, industry insights, and blah, 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 blah. That has this benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay. That started to set expectations about how often you're going to email somebody right, and what the content might be and whether that content's going to be valuable to them. Mm. And the importance of this is we will have less unsubscribes. If you're not setting the expectations, you'll have a high unsubscribe rate. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. This second one, I'm big on and your whole business is is based around this. So this is really important. And that's the importance of um, segmentation. So segmenting your list and applying tags. Why is this so important, Tim? Look, tags are a way of of kind of identifying people at different stages in their life cycle, Mm -hmm. their their customer journey, Um, and the things that they're either interested in or not interested in. Too often, again, I think this is where we get really low open rates, uh, email open rates and unsubscribes and all sorts of issues around that, is that we treat everybody in our list as being exactly the same mm-hmm. right, at the same stage of the buyer journey and, you know, not really reflective of what they're interested in. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you get everybody you know into the room at the same time, into mm-hmm. a room, okay? It might be a very big room. It might be a small room. Who knows, okay? But let's get everybody you know into a room at the same time, right? There's mm-hmm. probably a few hundred if not a few thousand people right in that room Mm -hmm. 
Now, you wouldn't talk to them all exactly the same. You mm. wouldn't send them a happy birthday and say, all right, I've got you all together to wish you a happy birthday today. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but it's not my birthday. <laughs> but not thank birthday. you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> or you're pretty weird. All right, that's right. You know, they're going to be at different stages. And that's, a, that's a, I think, a really sort of poignant example of that people are at different stages. And the whole point about segmenting our database and observing the behaviours that our customers do, what they click on, how long they're on certain pages for, all that sort of stuff, right? Tells us where somebody is in their customer life cycle. Do I need to make an offer to somebody? Do I not make an offer to someone, right? <laughs> Those thousand people in the room, your friends, and you said, hey, guys, I've got this awesome thing that you need to buy today. Yes, absolutely. There'll be a small percentage of that group that are ready right now, mm-hmm. right? but most of them aren't. Right? They need different communication in the same way that you and I wouldn't talk about. Okay, let's do it the other way. All right, you wouldn't talk to me about, hey, you know, Tim, what sort of coffee do you want? Because mm-hmm. right? you know I don't drink coffee. But someone else, you might say, you know, flat white with two sugars, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because you know that's what the coffee is that they drink. Love and it. This is why segmentation is really important. Right? So get out of the habit of just grabbing everybody on your list and saying, everybody, this is this week's newsletter. Mm-hmm. Right? Segment your list and send more smaller targeted emails and you'll get far better results. Love it. Love it. And this is something that when you're using a good system that automatically happens, it's all set up at the beginning. So it's not something you manually do, although you can. Um, it's something that that you set up prior so that it automatically happens. Yep, absolutely. Now, number three for me is all in the subject line. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in my program, I've got I've got a lesson entirely co- titled "The Secret Life of Subject Lines." Mm-hmm. The content of your email matters far less than the subject line that gets people to open it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I would encourage everyone to go and study in magazines and newspapers to see how they create subject lines that gets people to actually read the rest of the content. Or even look in your own inbox and have a look and start to notice what do I want to, what inspires me to open this and even write those email subject lines down and start to notice what is different about those compared to the ones that you are not that worried about opening. Yeah, absolutely. I did a, a YouTube video of this some time ago, actually. I think it may have just gone on LinkedIn. I'm not really sure now because it was a little while ago. But it was like looking at the, the, um, you know, the mail that comes into your letterbox. Mm-hmm. Right? If you recognize the, you know, the brand on the envelope, right, you know, sometimes know what the thing is before we even open it, right? So those are typically government levy notices and <laughs> bank statements. Oh, when but, you're a, let me let me just add to this. When you're a kid and it's coming up to your birthday and you see your nana's handwriting on the front, that is highly desirable to open. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> you know exactly who it's who it's for. You know, they're all typically sort of glass fronted white envelopes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And you know they often don't get opened for days and days and days. In fact, I have a stack of them on my desk right now that are unopened, <laughs> right? And I know exactly what they are. I know I know what the you know the one that says Icon Water, which is my water company. I haven't opened it. I can't recall the last time I opened an Icon Water bill because I know my, my water bill is on direct debit payments. Mm-hmm. 
I'm hoping it's not something that says, "Hey, look, you're ahead or behind," or you know, we're turning off. <laughs> or, or, or your your payment hasn't been automated for the last twelve months, and we're taking you to court. <laughs> right. um, but you know, those are the sort of things that you know we're typically sort of not as excited to. And you've all seen the ones from your local, you know, um, politician that says, "You know, dear householder," right? You can imagine how how much of a hurry you are to open those ones. <laughs> Yeah, as opposed not. to like, yeah, not Samantha <laughs> Riley. Okay, I'm just not in a hurry to open them, and, and our subject lines in our emails are the same. Right? Um, if we just say, you know, important information inside, I'm, I'm less likely to open it than if it says, you know, hey Sam, you know, important information about your program mm. here. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of these things you're more likely to open, and the other one you're not. There's lots of tips and tricks we can do to go into to to look at how we develop a subject line that is more likely to get an open. Mm-hmm. And the more opens you get, of course, the more opportunities that you create, not only in providing your customers value or your prospects value, but also in terms of making sure that that strategy works as a marketing, I guess, technique or approach and mm-hmm. gets you the return on investment that you're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the next one is something that I get asked a lot and I get a lot of I'm going to say pushback, but a lot of questions around this one. And that's how often should I speak with my list? How often should I email my list? Because I find that so many people are afraid to email their list. I guess I put this in air quotes and bother them. I find this quite intriguing. I I remember someone saying, I'm too afraid to email my list because some people will unsubscribe. And I said, but you're not speaking with anyone else. Like I just could, I cannot get my head around this. So what's your ideas of how often you should speak with your list, Tim? More. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's pretty much my answer too, more. Absolutely. We we don't talk to our people enough. And again, look, come back to that, that thing about your friends and family. If this is a list of your friends and family, how often would you want to speak to them in order to maintain that relationship? You'd, you'd probably do it reasonably often. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the relationship would go cold mm-hmm. and, you know, it'd start to break. If you want this list of people to work in helping you drive your business, you can't just expect them to go, you know, pick up the phone and say, hey, Tim, you haven't emailed me from in a while. What's What's going on? Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Right? You've got to own the relationship if you want that relationship to work for you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. You have to own the relationship if you want the relationship to work for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, look, and it's a little bit tempered by what industry you're in right? and the sales cycle. Absolutely. But I think for most people, and particularly in the coaching consulting space, we need to be emailing our list at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Like anything less than that, we just don't get seen. We get lost in the noise. I think that it's really rather than a number, like three times a week or one time a week, which is what people are looking for, I think that it's far better off to think about it as a rhythm. What is the rhythm that you're choosing? And once you've chosen that rhythm, make sure that it's consistent you know like a good piece of music that you want to dance with you want that that rhythm to be consistent and i think with your email list it's the same if you decide that your rhythm is once a week make sure it's once a week and you know is it going to be on tuesday morning is it going to be on thursday afternoon whenever it is make sure that it's consistent and regular and reliable because people love consistency 
it's good for us as a business owner and it's also good for the people around us. They remember who we are. There are some emails that I actually look forward to getting and to reading and I always open them. And I think there's a big misconception out there that people don't like email. When they're valuable, they're actually really cool. Yeah, thanks, Sam. I know you appreciate mine. I love your emails, Tim. <laughs> but it's true. Right? And and look, there is over, there is such a thing as overkill. I was was uh, in a client's account the other day and there were seven emails with 24-minute gaps right? <gasps> trying to get someone to sign up for somebody. Right? And that's too many. That is too many. We can go overkill. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to, we, again, finding that rhythm that's congruent with your message and how much value you can add. Even Seth Godin, right? A lot of people know who Seth Godin. He's one of the godfathers of marketing right today. Mm-hmm. And I unsubscribed from Seth's list a few years ago because right? okay. he was sending me four to five emails a day. Mm-hmm. Right? I just didn't have time to read them at all. Okay? But I come back to the expectations. If I expect that you're going to send me four to five emails a day, tell me up front. Mm-hmm. And then when I opt in, I'm looking forward to them. Mm. Mm. Okay. And not the now the oh, I've been over thirty thousand the other day, Sam. Thirty thousand and fifty-two unread emails that are sitting on my phone right now. Yeah, you yeah you and I have got <laughs> very similar numbers. <laughs> right? But it's it again. It's it's the stuff that we've subscribed to, and it's just sort of sitting in that sort of promotions folder and the updates folder. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah, there's probably a bunch of you have a new message on LinkedIn messages in there as well. But I should yeah. unsubscribe from, but. You know, we've got to set these expectations. We've got to make sure that, you know, that cadence is correct and the information that we're providing to our customers is valuable for where they are at that point in time. Absolutely. And we change the message, right, the more engaged they are or the closer to the sale they are or even post-sale mm-hmm. as well. You don't keep pushing the same, you know, sales message to someone who's already bought. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That goes back to the importance of segmentation and tags. So what about someone that's got an email list that hasn't been speaking with their list and their list has gone cold? I mean, I'm sure you'll remember the client that we had going back about 12 months ago that had an email list of 30 something thousand people and they hadn't spoken to them in some of them for as long as 10 years. Uh, yeah, actually, well, I was... <laughs> And a worst case scenario than that one the other day, Sam, I was on a call to a guy in Israel and he had cut his list from 200,000 uh-huh. to 40,000 in the last six months and was still trying to email them to get them to engage with his emails. Right, eh? Okay. So we've got to change it up, right? Cold list is, is a result of a couple of things. So cold list we mean is when you haven't communicated to a group of people right, in a period of time. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's just best to start again. Mm-hmm. Right, and build it up again. Right? You built it once, you can do it again. Mm-hmm. Right? But just go back out and, and offer value. Right? So you can go, you can take that list of contacts and you could send them a lumpy, some lumpy mail. You could put them into a Facebook retargeting ad and offer some value to get them to re-engage with your content. Right? Trying to just continue to email people who are not opening emails right, to get them to open them is just a strategy that's not going to work. I think a really great way to warm up a cold email list is to segment it so you're only sending out, say, to 50 people or 50 is a good number at a time, just a quick nine-word email. So your nine-word email is an email that's very, very direct. It's asking a specific question. So, you know, um, hey, Tim, are you still interested in 
having your lawns mowed once a week or something like that, or still getting your lawns mowed. So it's something that's very specific that most people will, or some people will respond to. It's a great way to warm up a cold email list. But if you've got a sizable email list, don't do that all at once, break it into pieces and do it bit by bit. Yeah, look, another really great way, and this is something I encourage my clients to do, is get some form of action. Right? So are you still interested? Great, you know, hopefully they reply and say yes. Um, another great one is to offer some form of training. Right? I've just put together this new training about this, you know, the topic. It's got to be congruent, right? It's got to mm-hmm. be why someone came onto your list in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not, I've just put together this great training on how to, you know, sous vide a curry mm-hmm. right? when you're talking about email marketing. It's got to be, hey, I've just put together this training on, right, how to improve your email open rates. Mm-hmm. You know, would you like to jump? Would you like to be interested? You know, you can click here to see what it's about. Mm. And so getting that action improves the engagement rate and it tells all the little intermediaries in the sort of cloud that this content is getting interacted with. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's more likely to be delivered. And mm. so cold email lists are not a good thing. You can't just keep emailing them expecting to do it. It actually damages your sender reputation and it's a mm-hmm. big complex algorithm that sits in behind this but if you're if you're finding that people are not opening your emails don't keep sending them because it actually affects your ability to get it to the people who do want it mm, as well. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. lots of important little things that happen um that we can have another conversation about another day but today we really wanted to give you the message or send the message that email is important and is integral part of your business and it's something not to keep pushing to the side if that's something you have been doing. Yeah, look, and one of the cheapest marketing strategies you can deploy. Absolutely, absolutely. So if you've got value from this episode, if you're still listening, I'm sure you've got value. Who is someone that you know that would like to or get value from this topic? If you're on your phone, scroll to the top, hit those three little buttons up the top and share this episode with them. And also hit the follow button so that you're notified when our next episode is released. So thank you for listening to this episode. Thanks for joining me, Tim, and talking about this topic. Thanks, Sam. Great to be here again. And we look forward to seeing you all next Monday in the next episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Ciao, ciao. Today's episode may be over, but let's continue the conversation. Head on over to the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook and connect with other entrepreneurs who are building and scaling their business too. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.